Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. How appropriate that there be peace on earth. But let it begin with me. I got to be able to see. Morning, church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for this day. The privilege just to stand here to declare your word, God. The song has already been sang. Prayers have already been given. Let there be peace on earth, God. We pray for our church. We pray for those who are not able to be with us, but those that are watching us via whatever technology that they have. We pray for strength right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let there be peace on earth. That song really resonates in my soul. How appropriate when we look at where we are not only individually, but collectively. Today I want to share with you from the book of Acts, Acts the 10th chapter. I'm going to read for your hearing verses 1, and I guess I'm going to read down to verse 14. Acts the 10th chapter. Beginning at verse 1. And if you're able, stand. It says that at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, after about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He answered. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a, and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open. 
and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. You may be seated, the word of the Lord. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. This Caesarea here is not the Caesarea Philippi. Just want to make sure you understand that. This is Caesarea, as the text has already said, not too far from Joppa. Think with me from this thought today. God works through human channels. God, God works through humans' channels. You don't believe me? We're getting ready to celebrate a holiday on tomorrow that God used a human channel to convey his message to his people. God uses preachers today to preach the gospel. And we'll see the importance of God's word in his text as he works through human channels. He not only works through preachers, he works through laborers. He works through me. He works through you. This is the work of the kingdom. See, prejudice has been a scar in our society from the earliest of times. It is often ingrained in our lives from early childhood. The prejudice of one generation carries on to the next. Prejudice is often based on pride. The pride considers those who are like me as being of most significant, with all others being inferior. Prejudice, a sin that appears in many forms, exists because of ignorance or willful disregard for the facts. Cultural differences, instead of being appreciated, are often a source of division and distrust. Often in the church, we see prejudice concerning denominational backgrounds. Someone comes from the, the side of a music someone prefers. Someone has a different dress. But America had to look past skin color in order to elect the first African-American president to the highest office in the land. America had to look past skin color to elect Kamala Harris as the first woman, black or white, to the next vice president of the United States. America has to look past skin color to rid itself of divisive cancer like that of Nazism. Adolf Hitler says, tell a lie loud enough and low enough and people will believe it. It is obvious that the president inflammatory rhetoric and lies to his supporters here recently caused an insurrection where people not only fear for their lies, but they kill others as a result. That's why words can hurt. 
You hear the same thing over and over again. And if it's a lie, look how it can move you. I wish the word of God would move us to where God wants us to be. I wish people would just believe God and his word. What he did for us on Calvary. See, in this study, we hear the sore story of Cornelius and Peter as each was prepared by God to be a part of proclaiming God's peace in a changing world. That's why I believe that God used human channels. The story expounds on the glory of the gospel in its inclusiveness. It tells how God removed a significant barrier so that two men could come together within God's love to the world through the saving work of Jesus Christ. When I think about that, they not only came together through the saving work of Jesus Christ, but also through the sacraments of baptism. See, the story is based on two visions, both given by God. See, it takes two visions, two halves of a whole, to eliminate historically significant barriers. The story can be a model for the elimination of isms in our world. You know isms, criticism, plagiarism, racism, sexism, stoicism, colloquialism, these and other philosophies are oppressive and discriminatory attitudes which have become authoritative and accepted by certain groups of people. Get rid of the isms. We all got our own personal ism. I don't like you ism. You think you all that ism. We got all kind of isms. We have allowed words and tweets to become weapons of ridicule to inflame us. Therefore, we cannot see the truth and what it means to be free. The fact that there was misunderstanding on both sides concerning what each vision meant, it did not prevent God's will from happening and people's lives from being changed. See, many in our world still struggle to look past racial, ethnic, ethnicity, and cultural dividing lines. But God has no such difficulty. It's no problem for God. But it is a problem for me and you. See, God's impartiality is not based on our merit, but it's based on the fact that all things work together for his good. It's based on the fact that he created us in his own image. It's based on the fact that he's God all by himself. It's based on the fact that God is not accountable to you or me. It's based on the fact that greater is the he that is in me than he that is in the whole world. That's what it's based on. You may not like it, but that's what it is. 
That's the Godism. And I think that, thank God for the Godism that's inside of me because he is God. He's the one that was lifted up from the earth. He's the one that do the drawing. Thank you for your sonism. Thank you for the bloodism. Thank you for the resurrectionism. Thank you for his death burialism. Thank you, God, for the ism, the spiritualism that continue to work inside each and every one of us. See, Jews and Gentiles in the Roman world looked at each other with much suspicion. Gentiles found Jewish beliefs and customs to be confusing and narrow-minded. On the other hand, Jews think of Gentiles as pagan and immoral. I think about us as African-American people. Have you ever noticed that people say, well, y'all just different? Well, God said he created all of us in his image. How, we can, how can we be different? Well, your hair texture is different. Your skin color is different. You're just different. You eat different things. You do different ways. You're just different. See, we learned that God does not show favoritism. He has always planned for all people to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. That was God's plan. It may not have happened when we thought it should, but that was his plan. And that's why he uses me and you today to make sure that we spread the gospel to somebody else because that was always his plan. See, we find in today's scripture that there was a certain man. It said he lived in Caesarea, the Roman capital of Judea. His name was Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion whose heart had tired of pagan myths and empty religious rituals and who had turned to Judaism in hopes he could find salvation. See, as in a centurion, he's a leader over a hundred in a Roman legion, which would consist of about 60 men, according to the text, in the Italian regiment. In other words, it was considered a cohort. Centurions are respected for their dedication to their responsibilities. He was a devout man and a God-fearer as what his whole household was also. See, devout indicates a godly person in Jewish eyes. One who fears God and lives in a way that is consistent with the law of Moses. He regularly gave charitable gifts to the synagogues for the poor and prayed regularly to God of Israel. He thus, no doubt, also observed certain laws of uncleanness, but it did not guarantee that his house was totally free from uncleanness. 
it's interesting to me to see how religious a person can be and still not be saved. It's interesting to see how uh, religious a person can be and not be saved. People say, Deacon Lee, you religious. But the text is saying you can still be religious and not be saved. Deacon Lily, they say you religious because you go to church every Sunday. But you can go to church every Sunday and still not be saved. Somebody said, well, wait a minute, preacher, wait a minute. Let's summarize this man that was devout in the text again. He was devout. This means he was a reverent man. He feared God. This was not just a description of his character, but the title God-fearer was given to those who worshiped with the Jews in their synagogues but had not been circumcised. Basically, he was a Gentile who worshiped the Jewish God. He was generous. He prayed continually. He not only gave gifts to others, but also gazed towards heaven as he offered his prayers to God through the day. Cornelius was religious, but he wasn't redeemed. He was sincere, but he was not saved. Like the disciples said to Jesus, we have left all to follow you. Jesus said, a, a camel can go through an eye of a needle before a rich man could enter into the kingdom of heaven. The disciples said, well, then who can be saved? I'm glad you asked me. Because Paul says in Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, but it's a gift of God. Paul reminds us that the work of salvation is God's gift. And our salvation rests upon the grace of God. Not upon our faithfulness. Therefore, all that Cornelius did was not enough to save him. God's normal way of bringing people to Jesus Christ is through the preaching of the gospel. That's why Paul says, he said, how can you believe in whom you never have heard? How can you hear unless they be sent? How can you hear without a preacher? We have to understand the preaching of the gospel. Once you hear it, then we have to make a commitment to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord. I got one point today, and I may have a story. I don't know. I got to see. The point that I see that applies to both Cornelius and Peter, the point that I see not only applies to them, but applies to us. We have to adjust our attitude. Church, we got to adjust our attitude. See, salvation is a divine work of grace. But God works through human channels. Angels can't deliver God's message to the lost men. 
they, but they cannot preach the gospel. Angels have an assignment. They have to deliver the message that God sent. And when you look at the text, that's what the angel did. The angel told Cornelius what their mission was. The text says, says one day about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and he distinctly saw what? An angel of God who came to him and called his name. Don't ever think that God don't know who you are. Don't ever think that God don't know your name. You might say that's your birth name, but that ain't your spiritual name. God said, I call you, Reverend Campbell. I call you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You kept telling me your name, Craig Campbell. I said, no, your name is preach the word of gospel to the people. That's what I call you to do. See, we are not called to initiate anything new. We're called to join him at what he has been doing and is still doing today. If we make ourselves available, we'll see God working out his will through us. If we make ourselves available. Not just available on Sunday, but available. See, availability meaning that you're available. Some people say, well, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow. No, you off tomorrow. Tomorrow is a holiday. Tomorrow is a, a black holiday. That's what some people would say. That's a, that's a black holiday. No, you off tomorrow. But God said, make yourself available. See, the difference between Cornelius and many religious people today is he knew that his religious devotion was not sufficient to save him. He knew that. See, many religious people today are satisfied that their character and good works would get them into heaven. They have no concept of their own sin or of God's grace. See, in Cornelius' prayers, he was asking God to show him the way to salvation. I'm a Gentile, he said. I do a lot of good things in the community. Matter of fact, I can't even go to the church to make a sacrifice because I'm a Gentile. And because you are a Jew, you think you have everything all right. You think that you ain't got to do nothing but be a Jew. And God is saying he's got to clear that up. He's saying there's a door of opportunity open now for us to make sure that we share the gospel with others. See, the angel tells Cornelius his prayers and arms have ascended as a memorial before God. Think about that. God sent an angel to let him know that I heard your prayers. I've seen your good works. I know you're not saved, but that's why I'm coming to you today. Like he said, your, your works are like a fragment offering. His praying and his giving 
were like a sweet incense to God. In other words, his acts of faithfulness have found acceptance with God who looks at the heart. That's why God don't look at the exterior stuff we do. He looks at your heart. See, the beating heart is excitement to God. Because God knows what you're going to do before you do it. Because he knows what's in your heart. God sent an angel to instruct Cornelius, and immediately he obeyed. God sent an angel in a vision to Cornelius, but he used a man to preach the gospel to him. That's why God uses human channels. Peter's purpose in coming is to tell thee what thou ought to do. Acts eleven fourteen says, Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all of your house shall be saved? See, just as God had to prepare Cornelius, Peter also had to be prepared. Peter had lived as an Orthodox Jew all of his life. The law of Moses was a wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. This wall had to be broken down at the cross, yet we still build walls between us. Whether it's a wall of discouragement, a wall of jealousy, a wall of unbelief, a wall of hate. Jesus went to the cross to die for us. And the Bible said, when the petition was torn into, the wall came tumbling down. God has to separate the walls that's in our lives. You know the wall that you got. You just didn't like somebody just because you disliked them. That's a wall that God said, I took that to the cross. Ephesians 2.14 says, for he is our peace who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of petition between us. See, God spoke to Cornelius in a vision. Around of the, about three times, God spoke to him in a vision around one of the three designated times in prayer for the Jews in the temple. Remember, they prayed early in the morning, they prayed in the afternoon, and they prayed at sunset. Peter is now exercising his faith, just as Cornelius was. He was up on the roof praying. Where's your rooftop experience? I'm not saying to go on top of your house, but where's your flat prayer roof in your own house? Don't tell me you ain't got no place in your home to be able to be alone with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't tell me you don't have a sacred place where you can lay prostrate before the Lord so he can hear your cry. Answer by and by. Peter's place was on the roof. The reason God used a vision about food was to teach Peter that the Gentiles were not unclean. He used this vision because he was hungry and a vision about food would speak to his condition. He used this vision about hungry food 
because the distinction between clean and unclean food was a major problem between the Jews and the Gentiles. He used this vision about food because God was not simply changing Peter's diet. He was changing his program. See, God has a way. He don't start just changing your diet. There's a reason why he's changing stuff, stirring up the gifts inside of us because there's a whole change in the program. The point here is the Jews were not clean and the Gentiles unclean. But both Jew and Gentile were unclean before God. We have to understand a Gentile did not have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. God is speaking to us, the church. We must stop trying to make people into what we want them to be. God has the power to reshape lives. Use the same clay over and over again. God neither changes in character nor needs to repent of his actions, but he has the same sovereign freedom to alter his actions depending on the responses of his people. See, we live by divine promises and precepts, not theological explanations. And God isn't obligated to explain himself to any of us because he's God all by himself. See, Peter and Cornelius, they both needed help. One seeking to know God, but without Christ, he could not. The other, a disciple who can share Christ, but without a heart change, he would not. That's why I say just because you're a Christian, that don't mean that you don't have any challenges or issues in your life. Just because you go to church every Sunday, that don't mean that you're saved. God said we have to walk worthy of the vocation in which we call. See, I only see your walk on Sunday, but God sees your walk 24-7 every day of your life. You can fool me, but you can't fool God. That's why God looks at the heart. That man thinking, so is he. And that man turned, that's for men and women, that's masculine for all of us. He said, there's no difference in condemnation or in salvation. Romans 10, 12 says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich until all that call upon his name. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the God shall be saved. Stop trying to fix people up. That's why they have a problem coming to church. Because as soon as they get through the door, you want to fix them up. That dress is too short. I got to help her know that she can't come up in here like that. Well, don't you remember? It wasn't too long ago when you came through the door with the same short dress. God had to fix you up. We have to understand God prepared them and brought them together. It was a divine appointment. God brought these two together the same way he brought Philip and the Ethiopian man together. The same way he brought Ananias and Saul together. 
The same way he brought Paul and Silas together at midnight, God is still actively bringing two people together in every encounter we have in sharing Christ is a divine appointment. Watch out for those who the Lord brings near to you because there is no coincidence with God. See, God will orchestrate events to bring us together by breaking down the wall of prejudice between us. See, Peter's vision tells us that God disapproves when we pick and choose those members of society whom we think deserves to be in the kingdom of God. As God called on Peter to lay aside his prejudice, to lay aside his biases, he calls on all of us to do the same. This church that we serve in, it's an instrument that God used to preach the salvation message to whosoever will let him come. You just happen to be a denomination called Baptist. But that don't mean that you're right. And we have to understand that. I'm done, but I am going to tell you a story. A school teacher for 13 years decided to travel across America and see the sights she had taught about. Traveling along in a truck with a camper in tow, she launched out one afternoon rounding a curve in rush hour traffic, a water pump blew on her truck. She was tired, exasperated, scared and alone. And in spite of the traffic jam she caused, no one seemed interested to come to her rescue. Leaning up against the trailer, she prayed, please God, send me an angel, preferably one with mechanical experience. Within four minutes, a huge Harley Davidson motorcycle drove up, ridden by an enormous man sporting a long black hair and a beard with tattoos all over him. With an incredible air of confidence, without even glancing into her direction, he went to work on the truck. Within another few minutes, he flagged down another large truck, attached a tow chain to the frame of her disabled truck and pulled it to the side off the freeway where he can calmly continue to work on the truck. I'm going somewhere. The immediate school teacher was too dumbfounded to talk, especially when she read the words on the back of his leather jacket, Hell's Angels. As he finished the task, she finally got up enough courage to say, thank you so much, and carried on a brief conversation. Noticing her discomfort, he looked her straight in the eyes and mumbled, don't judge a book by its cover. You may not know who you're talking to. With that, he smiled, closed the hood of the truck, and waved goodbye and went on his merry way. How often we miss the benefits of God's preparation 
either because we are impatient or because we allow our own will to get in the way, our own prejudice to get in the way. Sometimes the person we judge in, in front of us may be Jesus himself. You prayed a prayer and asked the God to gift you something, but just because he showed up like a Harley Davis biker, that don't mean he can't be God. We have to understand that some of us wait until everything makes sense in our mind. We have all our questions answered before we will obey God's will. Here is a principle to ponder. Understanding often comes after obedience. Understanding comes after obedience. You say, I ain't going to be obedient until I understand. But then you're going to miss your blessing. Christ came to break down the walls and divide us, that divide us. Through Christ's work and the shedding of his blood, Christ had brought those who formerly were separated near to us. The ones that didn't know him, he's brought them near. How did he bring them near? He used Deacon Lily. How did he bring them near? He used you, Deacon Lee. How did he bring them near? God continues to use human channels to bring people near the cross. When Christ came, he made himself the basis of our peace. Now both Jew and Gentile alike can come to him and be made into new men. God's work through human channels. See, our peace it's not based on our inheritance. Our peace is not based on our performance. Our peace is not based on the color of our skin. The church is like the linen sheet in Peter's vision. We're filled with all races, all ethnicities, all political parties. And one day, when the church is raptured, God is going to come back for us all. When we put God first and put ourselves in a position to hear him, he will speak to us through his word. I'm done. Y'all don't will me out today. God works through human channels. And I'm so glad that I was one of the channels that God used. He continues to use each and every one of us because he has no respect to person. He said, but if you are available, not just on Sunday. He said, if you're available tomorrow, not just on Monday. He said, anytime that you are available, I'll use you because I'm God. He said, because I see what's in your heart. I see what's in your walk. He said, I see you. The doors of the church are open. There might be one today who's on the call that don't know Jesus Christ and the pardon of their sins. You are one of the whosoevers. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, as they sing. Are you willing? Do you have a church home? Every